We're in week seven of a series called Battlefield, and normally I do a series only for about six weeks, and I just really have uh, feel like we're not done with this yet, so we're crossing on over and we're in week seven now. Years ago, I used to teach for like months, you know, on, on things, but I really felt the Lord has had me just kind of do that, and so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, responding to that, and the Lord has really blessed and helped in a lot of things. But this is some important things, and, we're, and it's called battlefield because we've got to understand concerning, uh, well, let me start with this. We do not live in a spiritually neutral world. It's not spiritually neutral. It is incredibly spiritually charged. And it is not just the negative and the dark and the evil spiritually uh, because of this. Greater is he that is, that is in us than he that is in the world. And so... That creates then conflict. That creates this battle, this struggle. And Paul, uh, Paul wrote in Scripture and, and, and described it for us. But we also understand that we're, we're in a struggle. We understand that we're in a battle. And it's not against flesh and blood. It's, a, it's against an enemy. And here's, here's the thing about the enemy. He, he doesn't have laser weapons and, and a lightsaber and all of that. He uses what he finds and he deceives and he lies and he schemes and he has strategies. And we've got to be in the know about that. The prophet Hosea said this, my people are destroyed for lack of what? Lack of knowledge. Not for lack of coming to church. Not for lack of Bibles with their name on it. Not for lack of this or lack of that. It's for lack of knowledge and then taking that knowledge and doing something with it. So knowledge is light and we want to get light into our situation so that the enemy can't be pulling his tricks on us like, like he has. Can, can you say something about that this morning? Now, without God's help, we lose. Without God's help, we don't even have a chance. But let's, let's go to the to the bright side of this though, but we have God's help. I said, we have God's help and we should be confident, but we should never be careless. And so hopefully in this series, we're, we're getting a hold of some things that are going to help us with this in Ephesians chapter six. And this has been our, our major text for this verse 10 through 13. I'm reading in the new living. It says a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you, say that's me, don't get tired of me doing that, so that you, say that's me, will be what? You will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all of that, you still with me? Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you, say that's me, you will be what? You will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you, that's me, will still be standing firm. Aren't you glad that's in the Bible? So if that's review for you, I want, I want you to be rem- reminded of that. If, if that's brand new to you, I want you to embrace that and get a hold of that. That God has given us the strength. He's given us the armor. He will give us also the know-how so that we are able to stand and win in this struggle, in this battle, on the battlefield. Amen? Amen. Now, um, I want to zero in on something. We've called this battlefield because we want to see where the enemy battles us, attacks us, 
And we want to see how he works and what to do with those things. I, I want to take you to something that has to do with basic needs of, of every individual. Every individual. These three basic focal points. These are basic needs. Everybody has these. Are you ready for this? Breakfast. <laughs> lunch. Amen. No, I'm distracted. Um, let, me, let me do it for you this way. Let's take this first of all. And above this, this will come together for you in a minute. We want to be happy and we want to be stable, fruitful, and blessed. And when you are happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. Now, let me, let me just insert this right here. The enemy cannot directly attack those. This is a byproduct. So he has to do something other than this. So if he's going to stop this, and let me add on to this. When you have all of that going in your life, then you are what I'm going to call healthy. And by healthy, I'm not talking about your blood pressure and your cholesterol and, you know, your perfect body weight and all those kind of things. You, you know, work on those things. You need to be a good steward of your body. But I'm talking about healthy as in whole, as in complete. And I think this, I think that Christians, people who are following Jesus, well, one thing I think they should smile more in church. Okay, that's one thing. Okay, I think they should be great advertisement for God. You know, if somebody came knocking at your door selling some miracle cream and it's going to make your skin look all wonderful and they're all patchy and look like a pirate and everything else and ashy and everything else, how many of you know you're not buying that cream? But if you just see somebody and they're not selling anything and they're just glowing and their skin just looks so good and just healthy and they even smell good, you know, you might after a while say, what is your secret? And then you find out there are 104. You know, you would want to know, what is your secret? Are you all with me? And I think Christians have gotten it confused over the years and we felt like it was a bumper sticker or a t-shirt or some little pat sermon that we had or, or, or whatever it would be that we're going to win the world that way. People got to see something that's authentic and real. And I think it needs to be fruit in our life, that we're spirit formed, that the life of Christ is actually seen in us. And, and can I tell you, my, I'm, I'm be vulnerable here for a moment. One of my major goals, you ready for this? My goal is to be the happiest, most free, most whole person here. Because I think as a pastor, as a leader, I need to lead the way. I need to be a prototype. I, I, I need to, that needs to be in my life. Not some religious put on kind of what, I, I think we need to be genuine article, real deal. Y'all with me this morning? Don't make me unhappy. I'm trying to be happy. No. But honestly, it'd be so free and so happy and so whole and, and God shows us the way, the way to do that. Now, this doesn't just happen. So what I want to show you is go, let's go to those three basic needs, those focal points, and let's turn this into a three-legged stool, hopefully, hopefully. And so we're going to have these three legs on this stool. Other services, it has looked like a uh, mutated mushroom, a spaceship, uh, some teeth, whatever. This one over here is intimacy with God. Everybody say intimacy with God. And this one, we'll call it intimacy with others. Say that, intimacy with others. And this other one here, we're going to call self 
worth. Self-worth. Go ahead and say that. Self-worth. Now, we've got to have all of these going on in our life. And, and when you have intimacy with God, intimacy with other people, and self-worth, then guess what's going to be happening? You're going to be happy and stable and fruitful and blessed. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be whole. Are, are you getting that? Now, let me go back to that word intimacy for a minute because our, our culture, our media kind of runs that, you know, and they talk about being intimate and then they're intimate with everybody. So this is not even a sexual thing. This is a, this is a safe. This is intimacy is safe. It's warm. It's, it's open. It's uh, I am known by God and God knows all my flaws and yet loves me and brings that warmth and safety and care. Are, are you all with me? You've got to have that with God. You can be a doer of the word all day, but spiritual growth doesn't happen unless you do the word and walk with God. You've got to have relationship. It's about relationship. Y'all with me? Come on. Y'all need to perk up. Y'all got to sleep in longer than anybody here. Okay. So, so hang, hang with me here. Uh, but that intimacy with God, and then you've got to have people too in your life that you're safe with, that it's not toxic and dysfunctional and codependent and all those, all the buzzwords, but it's healthy. You've got to have healthy people in those intimate relationships in your life. And then self-worth, you've got to have self-worth. All of us have been damaged along the way. All of us have had somebody say something weird to us along our life. Come on. And you remember it two decades later. You look stupid like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's forever ago, but you're still, I, I, I'm stupid. You know? And, and those things get in. All of us have some insecurities. All of us have some worth issues. All of us do. And, and what we've got to do is continue to grow in our intimacy with God, our intimacy with others, and self-worth. And then this is going to be happening. Now, let me tell you that the enemy... Am I telling the truth so far? Okay. The enemy cannot directly attack happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. So guess what he's got to do? He's got to chop these. That does not look like a stool. Anyway, um, it's a self-worth thing about my drawing. I'm sorry. Uh, he's got to work against these legs. He's got to work against these things. And one of the ways that he does it that I want us to look at today is cares. How many of you have ever had cares? Three of you. Great. (laughs) Worry, stress, burden, pressure. Come on. Y'all with me? I still don't have everybody. Okay. Nudge your neighbor. Okay. Because it's all of us. And I'm telling you, he works in this way. And so we want to look at a couple things. This is one of his favorite tools. Let's look in the parable we looked in last week in Mark chapter 4. And in verse 4 it says, And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. And then Jesus goes on to explain the verses later. He said, now these are the ones who are sown among thorns. Now, let's stop real quick and remember, what is the seed in this parable? The Word of God. Okay, so the sower goes and he sows seed, and you put seed in the soil. What does the soil represent? Our hearts. Okay, y'all with me? So the seed is the Word of God, the soil are our hearts. In verse 18, he explains, he said, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares, cares of this world. And then there's some other things, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other, other things entering in does what chokes the word and it becomes what unfruitful. 
In the Message Bible for verse 19, it says, And they are overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they've heard and nothing comes of it. Here's what the enemy must do. You with me? The enemy must prevent. He must block this, what I call a divine combination of seed and soil. He's got to keep seed and soil apart. Because the soil, uh, Mark 4 also talks about, it automatically causes whatever gets planted in it to grow. And the seed contains DNA. It's pre-wired. It's pre-programmed. And once you get them together, once you get them together, something happens. So the enemy of your soul, to stop this, or the other page, to stop that in your to stop that in your life. He has to block, he has to prevent the divine combination of seed and soil of the word of God in your hearts. He's got to stop that because once they get together, they're going to produce a harvest in your life. And it's the harvest of what the word of God says can happen in your life. Not only harvest, but also remedy, remedy, all the broken, damaged, hurt, pain, things that we're missing and lacking in our life. When seed and soil get together, when the word and your heart get together, that's going to be produced in your life. And the enemy is very anti, 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 happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. And so he has to block that and keep that from happening. Now look what happens. In the New International Version, it says it chokes the word and makes it unfruitful. Unfruitful. In the Message Bible, it says the stress strangles what they heard and it comes to nothing. Do you know what that represents? Mission accomplished for the devil. Mission accomplished. If he can keep it unfruitful, if, if nothing comes of it, then guess what? Mission accomplished. So he's got to work to do that. And one of the ways that he works to keep the seed and soil from producing is cares right here. I want to see your hands again. If, if that's you, you've had cares before. All right. So let's find what to do. This word cares in the Greek And you don't necessarily need to remember this, but I want to introduce it because of the fullness of this word. But in the Greek, it is the word merimna, merimna. And it means care. It means solicitude. It means worry. But this is the part I want you to get. It is anxiety. Follow this. It's anxiety that causes disruption in one's personality or mind. And that's from a a New Testament, uh, a, a Greek New Testament dictionary. It's anxiety that causes disruption. Say disruption. Causes disruption in one's personality and in one's mind. Have you ever had cares on you before and you're just not yourself? Have you ever known somebody, someone that you know and you love, and they're just not themselves? They're come on. You married to somebody and they just all right. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's cares. Now let me ask you this. How long does it take for cares to come on you? Have you ever been happy, you know, and phone rings? Hello? You got to be kidding me. <laughs> right? Or you, you're doing all good and then the boss calls you in. Or you're sitting at your, gra- at, your, at your desk in third grade and the teacher says, Timmy G, come up to my desk. It's a true story. And suddenly you go from carefree to careful. And you're not yourself. You've had your friends. You've had people that, you know, you see them and you meet up with them and and they're carrying cares. 
They've got the cares of the world on them. Y'all, come on, get with me here. They got that on them, and you, you can just see it. You know what that is? It's marimna. It is anxiety that is bringing disruption in their personality and in their mind. What is that? That's your soul. Damage is going on in the soul. Why? Because of cares. Because of cares. And what we've got to do is, is learn to monitor this. You've got to start to be aware when cares come on you. And cares are sticky. Cares are kind of like rice. You know, it's like and they stick together. And you get one little piece of rice on you, one little care on you. And if you don't get that off you, then you're going to have other stuff. And you're picking up lint and, 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 and everything else. Y'all, it's true. So you can't leave it on you. And I want you to notice that in the scripture and all the, all the translations it brings us out. It is not the cares of the devil. It's the cares of this life. It's the cares of this world. This is what he does. He uses what's laying around. And, and it's just normal in life that, you know, hey, I got to deal with this situation or I got this bad news or wow, I watched this go on or what, whatever it would be. I'm going to have to take care of this. You get the cares of life that come on you, but we've got to handle the cares in the right way. But the first thing we need to do, the first thing we need to do is to be able to recognize, hey, I've got some cares on me. And my prayer is, is that you'll be sensitive leaving here today to realize, ooh, I'm carrying it because you know what? It will cause disruption. Merimna. It will cause disruption in your personality, in your mind, in your soul. That's going to affect your mood. That's going to affect your face. I see Merimna in this place. Seriously. And don't be condemned about that. Let's learn what to do with that. And that's what I want to do here in the, in the next few moments. Now, you must, and here's what, here's what we have to do with this. What does the Bible say we need to do with our cares? Cast them. Does anybody else know what else? Roll them. So we cast them on the Lord and we roll them on the Lord. That's what we're to do. And we know to do that, don't we? Come on. How many of you have heard that before? Cast all your burdens on the Lord. Cast your care. All right. We know to do that. Why in the world won't we do it? And so we're going to have to be a little more sensitive to this and stop thinking ourselves so strong and realize what God says about this. Now, let me just read a few verses for you. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, casting all your cares, marimna, on the Lord, for he cares for you. And the Amplified Bible says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never he will never let the righteous be shaken. Psalm 37, verse 5 in the Amplified. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose each care of your load on him. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in him. And he will bring it to pass. Now listen to me. We've got to roll it, cast it over onto the Lord. Look at me. Because you can't carry it. Amen. Here's what we do. We are to cast it off of us and onto the Lord. We're to roll it off of us and onto the Lord. Why? Because we are not equipped for this. We do not have the strength. We do not have the capacity. Because when we start to carry it, it starts to attract other cares. And before you know it, there's disruption in our soul. And we're never going to be happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. We do not have the capacity. Admit it. Admit it. Bob your head. Yep, yep, yep. When I was in about fourth grade, it's a little foggy for me. Um, my parents divorced. And it was ugly. 
And it was not, what's the word, acrimonious or anything. And our little world changed just real quick. And we lived in a little Wonder Years neighborhood and riding bikes with my friends and doing all those things. And, then, and there's like, suddenly we're gone out of that house, moved into a trailer park. And there's nothing wrong with trailer parks. But as I've told you, there was something wrong with our trailer park, okay? <laughs> Bad. And we ended up there. And then we had this big brown station wagon. How many of you remember station wagons? Okay, for those of you who don't know what a station wagon is, it's kind of a really low, long minivan. <laughs> and that's back when they were not, they had no concern or interest in ergonomics, making it comfortable inside. We didn't have air conditioning, and, all, and I always had to sit in the way back. How many of you remember the way back, you know? Had to sit in the way back. No air gets back there. And the carpet that you had to kind of sit on, because we didn't have seat belts either, the carpet that we were on was just like so prickly and rough. You know, it's like you, you, got, you talk about carpet burn. This is like carpet stab, okay? <laughs> well, suddenly our station wagon's gone. And I don't know if my grandpa got this for us. I, I don't know what the situation was. But we're living in this horrible trailer park. And our house is gone. My friends are gone. I'm at a different school. And we get this new car. It's not new to us. Or not new, but it's new to us. And it's called a Simca. How many of you have ever heard of a Simca? I got a picture of it here. Show you a Simca. It's a French Chrysler product. Guess what? They don't make them anymore. And this car had no capacity. First of all, it wouldn't hold much. And then even as like a fourth grader, I could feel it. Whenever another person, any additional person got into the car, it, it cut the power of the car by a third. In the fourth grade, I'm embarrassed of this, of this car. And, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but look at me. Y'all are kind of like a Simca. In that you're cute and running around town. You know, that's, that's all good. You're good for that. But you are not designed to pull a trailer. You're not designed to load up stuff. You with me? You got a little bit you got to carry now and then, but you carry it and you drop it off. But we are Simcas. Everybody give me a good... Okay, good. Only at Meadowbrook. All right. So here's what we do. We, the Old Testament and New Testament words for cast and roll have the idea of get it off of you, get it away from you. Roll it off of you and put it on the Lord. I have in this jar right here, I couldn't count totally, it's either seven or eight Spiders. drop a spider on you. Any volunteers? If I were to just like spill spiders on you, I I would never do that to you. It's a joke. I have no spiders. But here's my point. What would you do? Wait a minute. What would you do if, let's just say out of the ceiling, a spider came down and, and landed on you? What would you do? Would you do something with it? Or would you just go, that's the way my day's going. (laughs) How many of you have ever um, walked through a spider web before? Would you please show me what you do when when that happens? Come on, I want to see what you do. And do you care who's even around you at that point? 
I mean, you might be trying to impress somebody and all of a sudden, you know. Am I right? Cares are way more, way more dangerous than spiders. Way more. And yet we let spiders land on us. Would you hold that for me? No spiders. Spiders are, cares are way more dangerous to us than spiders, and yet we let cares stay on us. And we let them pile up on us. And we walk through stuff and we just hold on to it because we, we, we want to impress people. You're not impressing anybody. You're letting the enemy wear you out. Marina, to cause disruption in your soul so that you can never be happy, stable, fruitful, blessed. And that's where the enemy is fighting you. So real quick, I want to show you a couple things. What do we do with this? Yes, cast. Yes, roll. Get it off of me. Get it on the Lord. But how do we do that? And, and the first thing I'm going to tell you is this. Prayer. Everybody say prayer. But stay with me for a moment. Give me, give me this benefit. I'm not going to do some full treatise on prayer right now. We're not going to do some full, all the theological underpinnings and everything else that goes with prayer and the practices of it and systematic theology and all that. We're not going to do that. This is the thing I want, I want you to do. I want you to pray. I just want you to talk to God. I, I just want you to take, take this, which is part of our armor. It's part of our, it's part of our weaponry. In Ephesians 6, where it talks about all the armor of God, we read part of that earlier. That whole passage ends up with prayer. It says to make sure that you're praying. And it says all kinds of prayer, whatever kind of prayer. And it says, and pray always in the spirit. And that's not always just your prayer language that God would give you. And if you don't have that, I I receive that from the Lord. It's so edifying, so encouraging, so energizing to your life. But it's also this, that the spirit would help you in prayer, that the spirit would direct you in prayer, that the spirit would energize you in prayer, that the spirit would lead you in prayer. Because listen, you can't just, well, I'm going to pray to the Lord and do some boring religious prayer that bores you. Help everyone, mostly me. And you're bored and no wonder you don't come back day two to pray. It's no fun. Nothing's happening. It's not plugged in. You need to say, Holy Spirit of God, meet me in a time of prayer. And in that time of prayer, he'll energize you. He'll show you what to pray and how to pray. He'll help you in this. And the thing is, you have not because you ask not. You do not have because you do not ask. And we're carrying cares when by prayer we can go to God and lay this, roll this over onto the Lord. Because here's what happens with prayer. Follow me on this. Prayer takes you to Jesus. And prayer, whatever you're carrying, takes it to Jesus. And let me remind you who Jesus is. He's a Savior. And whatever you bring to a savior and you bring it to his feet, he will save it and he'll help you. And instead of you carrying these cares, prayer takes you to Jesus and whatever you're carrying, you take it to Jesus and he's a savior and he'll help you. But in all of this prayer, you've also got to remember this and just a few little things I want to pull in here. You need to ask some questions in prayer. You need to ask some questions as you're dealing with care. You need to ask the Lord, Lord, is there something I need to learn? Lord, is there something you could show me so I don't end up in this situation? Lord, is there, is there something I'm not seeing? Is there something you want to teach me? And I am in no way indicating that God was the author of your care and stress. I'm not saying that. But you need to ask him. You need to take that moment and let it be a learning moment. You also need to ask the Lord, Lord, is there something I need to do? Is there something I'm supposed to do? 
Is there something I'm supposed to stop doing? You're also, I think in this time, you need to verbally say to the Lord, Lord, this care, this burden, this whatever it would be, I'm rolling it over onto you. Say it to him. I'm casting this over onto you. And then if heaviness still remains in your life, and we've talked and talked about doing this, you need to just take charge in Jesus' name and say, in the name of Jesus, leave me now. And one last thing about prayer. And then I'm going to show you one other thing this morning. Pray for somebody else. While you're praying about you and your burdens, your marimna and your disruption and and all of those things, your simka, you're praying about all those things. I think you need to get to a place in Ephesians 6, 18, talked about it and praying for others too. I think you need to pray for some other people in need so that you'll realize there's some people that have some heavier burdens than you do. Because listen to me, self-pity is not attractive. Self-pity is actually repulsive. And it, and it repels what you're even trying to get by the attention and the extra care. It actually repels people from wanting to be a part of it. And don't fall into that trap, too, that just isolates you in, it, in every way. And I think part of closing out prayer is you need to make sure. And God, I pray for so-and-so. I pray for their need. I pray for their, their situation, their condition. I, I pray for them and, and pray for them. And I'm telling you what, God, I think God likes that. When we're not just coming to him for me and mine and my stuff. I think he likes it when you say, Father, I need you to help me with this. And I roll it over onto you. But while I'm here, I've got this friend. I've got, I know this person. Would you move on their behalf? Would you help them? I'll tell you what, I think the power just gets multiplied in that. One last thing this morning. I think you need to worship. Everybody say worship. And you don't even need a song. I love music. I think it just helps so much. Pastor John, fortunately, is my neighbor, and I'm going to have him come over tomorrow morning at 530 and sing that song for me. So, so get a nap this afternoon, okay? Because I need... But you need to worship. You need to, I think, bow before a holy and living God and adore him. And exalt him. And I'm serious. I think it's a man thing to do too. Don't, guys, don't roll this off just for women and children. I think it's a man thing to just bow before a creator God. And Psalm 34, 3 says this. Magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. That means make God big. He's already super huge. But it's in your eyes. It clears your vision. Magnify the Lord and exalt him. Lift him high. Magnify and lift him high. And listen, in worship, and please get this, in worship, we're no longer talking about your cares. We're not talking about your problems and your burdens. We're taking care of that in prayer. Don't even bring it up. Because the tendency is is to keep hanging on. And God, you know how pitiful I am right now. You're great, but I'm pitiful and I really need your help. No, no. We move on now and we just exalt him. And I lift him up and tell him how big he is. And how strong, and you're my rock, and you're my strength, and you're my fortress, and you sing songs of deliverance over me, and you're my heavenly father, and you carry me, and there's no one like you, and you know the end from the beginning, and you are the beginning, and you are the end, and you are the alpha, and you are the omega, and nobody came before you, nobody will come after you, and nobody can stop you. And just exalt him.
Because if you don't, you're going to be making your problem big again. And you've heard it said before, stop telling God about your big problems and start telling your problems about your big God. And never allow a problem to be the biggest thing in your life. Do not allow problems to corrupt worship. So take care of it in prayer. Take care of it in prayer. And then bow your knee and lift your hands and lift your voice and open your heart and exalt a living God. And when you do that, it brings you to Jesus. And it brings all your stuff to Jesus. And get this, and Jesus is a Savior. And when you're connected with a Savior, I don't care what battlefield it is. You win. You win. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thank you, Lord.